Welcome back to Ferret's Gone, episode 20, baseball back in action, Super Bowl this past weekend. We're going to start on the baseball note first. Blockbuster trade going down with the Red Sox, something we've been expecting all offseason. Mookie Betts traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers, three-team trade, four-team trade if you include the Jock Peterson trade, which was technically separate, but basically part of it. The Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts and David Price along with Cash. The Red Sox acquires Alex Vardugo and Brewster Gretarol, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Right. Brewster Gratterall, yeah. Thank you. And the Twins acquire Kinta Maeda. On the flip side of that, the Angels acquire Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling. And the Dodgers acquire a prospect, I can't remember the name of, Luis. Luis Renifo, I think he's an infielder. Yes, he's a second baseman. I do know that much. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a blockbuster trade. One one that's been about, you know, speculation all offseason. Shoot, even, even towards the end of last season. Everyone was speculation about bets because everyone knows he wants to test free agency. The Red Sox weren't going to be able to pay him. It came out about a week ago that they were off by $100 million in their negotiations. Yeah. But this honestly developed really quickly. It was like a few hours into it. It was the Dodgers and the um, Red Sox had developed trade talks. And then um, a couple hours later, it was reports were coming out that he's, in fact, got traded. Yeah, I'm I'm not too surprised it moved that quick, and I'm kind of surprised that sometimes it takes longer than you would think to come to terms on a deal because I think most of the time going in, one GM knows – both guys know what they're looking for, and I can't imagine it would take but so long to work that out. I mean, you can really either come to an agreement or you can't. And But, no, huge trade for the Dodgers, and I'm not going to say I called it last pod, but I called it last pod. I said Dodgers should go in, get bets, and trade for Dugo, but not Dustin May or Gavin Lux, and they did exactly that. Um, I don't think they gave up too much. Uh, Basically, they traded Peterson kind of to get some payroll relief, so I'll count him. So Ross Stripling, Jock Peterson, Kenta Maeda, and Alex Verdugo. Mm -hmm. Correct. And they got David Price who's got a track record of pretty good success. He can fill the Maeda and Stripling role and Mookie Betts, who may be a top five player in baseball. I I think it's a great trade for them, whether they re-sign him or not. If they don't, they get a comp pick. If they do, shoot, more power to them. I, I really like the trade from the Dodgers' perspective. And not bad from the Red Sox either, if, as long as they had come to the realization that they weren't going to re-sign him. If they if nope, they knew he was gone, I think that's a really good haul for a one year rental for Mookie Betts, and better than the comp pick in the sandwich round would be. I could not agree more. I that's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, I know obviously the Dodgers get Mookie Betts, and Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger in the same outfield is gonna be ridiculous this season. Um, that's two of the probably top five outfielders in the game, I would say. Oh yeah. And I don't think uh, I don't think anyone's really gonna question that take. Um, on top of that, they get David Price, who is going to help out that starting rotation. They obviously reuse gone. Now they traded Stripling. Rich Hill's gone. I, th- I felt they needed one more piece, and David Price will fill that mid-rotation kind of role perfectly fine for them. They got cash, which means they're not absolutely just riding off the paychecks or, you know. Yeah. Um, on top of that, Red Sox on the flip side, get Alex Verdugo, who was really good in about 300 at-bats last year. 12 home runs, OPS north of 800, OPS 
plus a north of 120. I believe it was like 126 mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Um, and then the I know the Gradiol dude, he throws a 100-mile-per-hour sinker. He looks like he has some hope and some promise. I mean, oh, overall, it's a good trade for, I think, all clubs. And the, tw- and the Twins. Can't forget about the Twins. Yeah. The Twins are in win-now mode. Absolutely. Yeah. The Twins are in win-now yeah. mode, especially after the signing of Josh Donaldson. Kitamaeda is only going to help that uh, rotation because we saw that rotation just wasn't enough against the Yankees in the ALDS this past season. And Maeda, with the experience with the Dodgers and already a pretty proven guy, is going to help him more than I think we're really giving credit to. That... That's the only hang-up I have is I don't totally understand that from the Twins' perspective unless I'm missing something on Gratterall or Maeda. But the way I see it, I I don't know if I like that from the Twins' perspective. I think they could – if they had gone to a different team, I think they could have gotten – done better than Kenta Maeda for Brewstar Gratterall. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maeda's a – Four ERA guy, essentially, with enough sample for you to realize that that's kind of where he's going to be. Maybe, but how many how many real trade chips do you have right now in the starting pitcher market that you know you can just place a guy in kind of that three, four rotation? I don't know. If you're looking for – if you're looking at, like, Kenta Maeda level, I feel like there's a couple guys that they could have gone and gotten. No, maybe I'm a little higher on Maeda than the – next guy over i like Maeda a lot um last year i think he kind of had a rough season for a multitude of reasons whether that means be moved between the bullpen from a starting rotation not knowing what his role was every day um i, I i'm higher on kenta more than others are i think he get the job done i don't think i think the twins yeah, made I mean, out okay maybe, I mean, maybe if they're the, gonna be in win now mode like they are then why not at this point yeah I don't know. I just think with Gratterall, they maybe could have done a little bit better. Maybe that's uh, somewhere where I don't know how willing the Red Sox are to part with guys, but maybe you can pry away a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez from the Red Sox who look like they're starting to go into rebuild mode. I, I don't know what they're going to do with Chris Sale now. I mean, they just traded Betts and David Price. They're really in a limbo right now, but they've still got Devers and J.D. Martinez and Chris Sale. It, and Bogarts. And Bogarts, yeah, they look like they're kind of going to be stuck in between for the next few years. So maybe, and I don't I don't know if they talk to other teams, but maybe you can go get a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez from the Red Sox where they may be more willing to sell off guys right now. You know, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm, I'm going with the roster I have right now into this season, compete for a wild card. Because they just freed up a lot of money for next season, for next offseason. Yeah. Now, but off the top of my head, I don't know the still, free agents. still do have a lot of money locked up with Bogarts and Sale and J.D. Martinez. Yeah, but they got David Price's contract off the books. Part of Shoot. Part I, think of it, yeah. pay, I think they're paying about half of it. Yeah, well, part of it's better than all of it. I'll say that I, much because yeah. that's, that's an awful contract. I don't know. I could. I can feasibly see the Red Sox going. It's the Red Sox. At some point, they're going to stroke a check out to somebody. Um, it's going to be Raphael Devers is who it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. But that's fair. they got to they got to extend Devers. They cannot let him walk. I I don't know. I just don't. I I don't see them getting anybody in free agency with the guys they already have on payroll. I don't see them getting anybody in free agency next offseason that will make up anywhere near what bets and price bring. 
I know Price is overpaid, but he's still a quality pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah, I guess you're right. The Red Sox really are in limbo mode. And yeah, and they let's could go either let's, way. Can, and let's not forget, with that same with Betts and Price last year, they didn't make the play. They didn't sniff the playoffs. I I know oh. just about everybody on that team had a down year last year, especially Sale. But I mean, for the most part, that team didn't get any better, and they're losing Betts and Price. To a team that already missed the playoffs. Now, again, granted, that same team two years ago won the World Series, essentially. But, I, I mean, makes me wonder how good they're actually going to be this year. I think the, I think they'll be about the same as last year because they are getting worse. But a, a lot of their guys did have down years last year. But I still – I don't think they're a playoff team. I think the A's are better. I think the Rays are better. I agree. The Twins and Indians are both better. So whoever wins uh, wins that division, I think the other one will finish ahead of the Red Sox in the standings. Yeah, the Red Sox still do have a starting pitching and a bullpen issue. Their offense still does look good on paper with Devers, J.D., Bogarts. Verdugo is going to immediately slide in. Benditendi, their offense still looks good I, on paper. I, I but they have Chris Sale and Chris Sale and Chris Sale and Chris Sale. And Brandon Workman in the bullpen is your best piece? The, bull, the bullpens are off. The right side of the infield, first base and second base, is going to be iffy. Peraz is a wild card. I, they do, they do have a decent floor though. I just, I, don't I still know. think, I still think they'll have one of the better one two threes in the league or two three fours, however you want to stack up JD oh, Devers yeah. and JD or JD Devers and Bogarts. The rotation and the bull, the pitching staff really worries me though. If I'm a Red Sox fan, yeah, I, mean, got, I don't got Sale who had a not good year last year. And hopefully he does bounce back, but you never know. Some guys hit 30 and don't come back. Yeah, I don't count on Chris Sale having another bad year. He, by I, by every measure, he got pretty unlucky last season. Um, I know his ERA was way above his, uh, what was it, FIP? Yeah, his, his ERA was way above his FIP. The thing, so, is, the thing that we're, he's, if I remember correctly, he's had shoulder issues the last two years too. Because they shut him down early this year, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he was dealing with problems through the end of the 2018 season, too. I think he missed some time. I I do think he will have a better year than last year. He's got too much talent to stay at that level. But I don't know if he gets back to the elite Chris Sale of the last two, three years before that. Yeah. I, I, and, I then, and then after that, they've got some question marks. Eduardo Rodriguez is... A good pitcher, but he's probably more of a guy you'd want in the three-four slot than the two slot. Mm-hmm. And then you've got who after that? Nathan Evaldi. Yeah. Who can't seem to stay on the field other than the 2018 playoffs and parlayed that into a big contract. I just and they've got Workman in the bullpen and who else? No one. I don't know. I just the offense will be decent, but the pitching really worries me. Yeah, I agree with all that. I agree. I, um, and like the twin, the Twins' offense is better than the Red Sox, and I think they have a better rotation and bullpen too. Yeah, I think I think the Red Sox will fill in about third in this division and fighting for that second wild card spot. I yeah. don't know that they, they could fall out of the right. They could be one of those teams similar to like Texas, where they're kind of in it in the beginning of August and fall out yeah. of contention mid-August and then Maybe September make a we small kind of do at the deadline and try to push. But. Right, and then we all kind of forget they were contenders by the time September rolls around. I mean, I think out of the team that unless Cl- now 
some of it is contingent on what Cleveland does. Because if Cleveland trades one of Clevenger or Lindor, that changes things a little bit. But I still think Oakland and uh, Tampa Bay will finish ahead of Boston. Yep. That, and, yeah, it just is, – is Devers – I mean, Devers has had essentially one good – see, he was pretty good as a – was he a rookie two years ago? Yes. He was pretty good as a rookie, but – had a great year last year. I don't know if he has a repeat of that year. I like Devers. I, I, I do does. like I do like Devers. Bogarts is a stud. But, yep, I agree. Again, but yeah, I think we about hit the head on the nose there. I think yeah. great two, three, four lineup. Past that, it's going to be a bunch of question marks, and the pitching staff is who knows. It. I don't think they're terribly positioned. It could be worse. And who knows, maybe if Chris Sale, if they're not big on him anymore and they are trying to go a different direction, maybe they, I don't think you trade him now at all, but you got to let him rebuild some value, but maybe they deal him next off season. Yeah. I think they're just, yeah, I think he put they it best ha- when we first started. Not- I think he put it best for when we first started just saying they're in a really awkward position right now. Yeah. They're, I, it feels in between. I mean, they're, if they were really all in, they keep that through the trade deadline at least, or to to the trade deadline and see where they're at. This the the Red Sox stacking up now really reminds me of like those post chipper Braves, yeah. the ones with like Upton in them, where like they kind of look good on paper, but they don't have enough to really do anything. They're going to be like fighting the, for a wild card. The this reminds me a lot of like the 2014, 15, 16 Yankees. Yep, same same exact thing. A like a an aging Jeter. Uh, Teixeira is getting older. They still have that ace in Sabathia. At that at that point, he was still borderline ace level. But it, yeah, they trading bets for Verdugo and Gratterall and Price was definitely more of a punt this season move. But I still think, depending on the moves they make and how Verdugo and Devers continue to progress, they could very easily make a wild card next season though. Yep, I agree. Make one. Moving on to the other side of this trade, the Dodgers. Oh, my goodness. They're scary. I, uh, scary is an understatement. Yeah, they're going to be good. I but, don't think there's a there's many better lineups in baseball, especially if Lux turns out the way he could turn out. Yeah, I, 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 I've said this last pod. I really like this trade for the Dodgers. As much as, from a Yankees perspective, as much as I hate to see this, because I would have rather seen Betts stay in Boston. I don't want the Red Sox to retool, and I don't. I think even with Betts, I think the Yankees are better than them. This Dodgers team scares me. They are going to be good. Yeah, that's at the top of that lineup with his defense, with Bellinger, and hopefully Seager now even more protection in the lineup will start to put up some numbers. You've got AJ Pollock in the outfield too. Gavin Lux. Will Smith behind the plate, who started to break out. Justin Turner, the top three in the rotation might be borderline the best in baseball. Am I off by saying that? No, no. Um, as a Braves fan, I'm shooting for the NLCS this year. I'm not even worried about getting any farther. Maybe before Paxton got hurt today, uh, Cole Severino Paxton could rival that. But, I, I mean, if David Price is your number three, is not bad at all. Yeah, and then on top of that, Alex Wood, who had a sub three last year, is your number four. How the heck did he end up with a one-year deal from the Dodgers? 
Well, how did nobody that, that dude up. continues to fly under the radar everywhere why he did, goes? Like, why did a team like the Twins not that? See, there's a move: keep Gratterall and sign Alex Wood instead yep. of trading for Maeda. Yep. No, Wood, Wood is a good. I, I've always been big on him. He never seems to be able to do it for quite a full season, but when he's on the mound, he has been very good, very under the radar. You're telling me the Braves traded him away for use napkin. Um, him a him a prize both for Hector Oliveira. Oof, oof, that brings back nightmares. But yeah, Dodgers. Um, what what are they projecting? Bad leadoff. Who's it gonna be? Bats probably. Who's bad leadoff for him? Who'd you bat leadoff? Probably bats. Bats left field. I right would field. go. Uh, Mookie and right, Bellinger in center. Okay. So if I'm putting together this lineup off the top of my head, I'm going to go bets, bets in right, bad leadoff. Personally, I'm going Bellinger two, center field. I think I go Justin Turner three, third base, Muncie four, first base, Seeger five, shortstop, Pollock six, left field, Will Smith seven, behind the plate, Gavin Lux eight, second base. Which uh, I don't think it's going to get better than that. No. I mean, yeah, I would probably go Betts lead off. I would maybe think about hitting Lux in the two-hole. I'm I'm more of the school. I, I like to switch righty-lefty. But, um, no, I mean, Betts and Bellinger in that lineup, that may be – so who's a better combo, Betts and Bellinger or Rendon Trout? Betts, Bellinger. Yeah. I think I, I would agree. That's that's Bellinger. That's, uh, they're they're going to be. I don't know. That's a real big toss up. I keep yeah. forgetting how really good it's Rendon tough. actually is. But I think if I was being on the safe end, I'd take Betts Bellinger. Just offensively, I would probably say Trout Rendon. But when you factor in defense, I would have to go. Yes. Uh, Bellinger Betts. Yes, I completely agree. And on top of that lineup, I mean, you still have a pitching staff that has multiple time, multi-Cy Young contenders. Oh, like yeah. Walker Buehler is going to be contending for a Cy Young. I, Clayton Kershaw had his worst year, and it was still a ridiculously good year from Clayton oh, Kershaw. Yeah. Um, if if 3.0, 3.00 ERA Clayton Kershaw is my two-starter, sign me up. Yep. I, I and then Alex Wood, as we just touched on, is going to be a good four-piece. David Price is going to be perfectly fine. That team is so low. And then Kinley Jansen in the bullpen still there. I don't expect him to have nearly as poor of a season as he had last year. No. Um, I, just, I just don't see the, a, cl- a closer of his caliber falling off the face of the planet like he did last year. Yeah, no, he'll be better. Um, no. no, they're they're going to be very good. So the question begs, I think – as a, last I saw, the Yankee, at least Vegas-wise, the Yankees were still favored. Who's the better team, and who would you take in a seri- seven-game series, Yankees or Dodgers? Full, fully healthy um, both sides. Fully healthy both sides. I still think I have to lean Dodgers just because of the pitching. Honestly, I'm not sold on Severino yet. Um, 
Yeah, that's I just I, the pitching. I think seven game series. I'm gonna take the Dodgers. It's it's close. It it's is, gonna go seven games. I'm gonna go close. seven games, but I I think yeah. I just take the Dodgers strictly because of Kershaw. Which I mean, if it's a playoff series, then who knows about Kershaw? But it's I think I take the Dodgers just solely based on pitching. It's very close for me, but I'm gonna give the edge to the Yankees ever so slightly for two three reasons. One. I do think, actually, the top of the rotation matches up pretty well. I mean, you got Cole Bueller. Playoff Severino versus playoff Kershaw, I'd say, is fairly even because Severino's not good in the playoffs either. Yeah. If, if Paxton is healthy, he's pretty dominant at times. And David Price has been the Yankees' best pitcher the last two years. Oh, oh that, as Twitter has man, reminded me. That man gets shelled every time he pitches in Yankee Stadium. And if he has to pitch a game in Yankee Stadium in that series, I don't know how I feel about that for the Dodgers. And the the Yankees do, I think, pretty clearly have the bullpen edge. I think the lineups are pretty similar. If yep. guys, if all guys perform to their level, because you, as good as the Yankees were last season, as many home runs as they hit, they were. I think they had the second most home runs in the season all time, just behind mm-hmm. the Twins. I believe Stanton so. missed basically the entire season. Their best home run hitter was out the whole year. And Hicks was out half the year. They'll have Hicks back. I just, I think I kind of want to give the Yankees a slight lineup edge, too. Yeah, that's fair. I think, at least offensively. I think the Dodgers are better defensively. But it's, it's one big coin flip. The Yankees. It's one big coin flip. I think them two are kind of head and shoulders above every other team in the league right I would, now. I would agree. Especially with Houston obviously losing Cole, and then now the Dodgers getting bets. I. It's kind of them too, and then everyone else. Yeah. At least as as it sits now, who knows what happens. I, in this I agree. If honestly, if I had to predict, Yankees, if I could take Yankees, Dodgers, or the field, any other combination for the World Series, I would probably go Yankees, Dodgers. Yep, I agree. But now the real question, moving forward here, outside of these two teams, what does this trade mean for? Francisco Lindor, Chris Bryant, and Nolan Arenado. Because those are the three sexy names that guys keep throwing around in the trade market that guys need to get traded, guys need to do this, you know, yada, yada, yada. All these teams are linked up. John Heyman's making tweets about it all the time, saying the same thing, just replacing names. Yeah. What does this mean for these three guys? Um, As far as the bets trade, I don't think it really changes the situation for Arenado or Chris Bryant because – I don't think the Dodgers were ever in on Air. The Rockies aren't going to trade Arenado to the Dodgers. I don't think the Cubs would trade Bryant to the Dodgers. They were never in on those two guys, so I don't think it really affects their market at all. And with the Red Sox trading bets, they weren't in on either of those guys either. I, I really don't think it affects their market. I would not be surprised if Arenado ends up in St. Louis. I think if he gets traded, that's probably the most likely scenario. I don't really know where Chris Bryant would end up. Probably Atlanta. If if he's going to get traded, I, Atlanta would probably make the most sense for him. Um, I do think it affects Lindor getting traded because I know the Dodgers had checked in on him multiple times. And I think uh, giving up the guys for bets kind of takes them out of the running a little bit for Lindor. They don't really, unless they want to give up May or Lux, they don't really have the firepower to go trade for Lindor. Although... If they're willing to part with a couple more prospects and the Indians are okay with taking just Lux as a centerpiece, 
I wouldn't mind trading Lux for Lindor. Because Lindor's got two years left. Uh, yeah, yeah I, pro- I probably wouldn't do that just because they just re-signed Mookie, or they just traded for Mookie, and like, there's no point in completely giving up both Verdugo and Lux. You know, I, I, just, I just think Lux would be. I'd rather give up Seager and and a package of other guys than give up Lux. Well, hell, if they'll take it for Seager, sign me up. I'll do yeah. it right. Uh, fair. I, fair. I, I don't think a package around Seager will get it done. And I don't know if just Lux would get it done either. They would probably want Lux and May, and at that point, I don't think I would do it. But if you can do it for Gavin Lux and maybe, I mean, they've got Will Smith behind the plate. They've got another highly touted catching prospect in Kyber Ruiz. Maybe you can talk the Indians into doing it for a package around Lux and Ruiz. I'd be okay with that. I mean, as much as I would say you don't want to mortgage the future because the Dodgers are still young enough with Bueller and May and Bellinger that you can and bets potentially if they keep him that you can continue this core for the next five to ten years and i wouldn't want to mortgage lux for that i also think at this point if you're andrew friedman and the dodgers want they've gone all in on bets but they've won 90 games or more now in what seven years in a row and they still don't have a world series title to show for it at some point you just got to put the push the chips in and go for it I, and if they can get Lindor for a couple guys that maybe aren't going to make a huge, as much of an impact the next two years, I would think long and hard about doing it. Because if they get Lindor, too, they're clear favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I think – yeah, I don't I don't think this affects – this trade affects either Brian or Arenado. I feel like if one of them got traded, they'd affect each other more than anything. Yeah, I agree. I don't see either of them moving as of today. I don't either, but uh, – I, I don't think the Cardinals have the pieces to trade for Arenado, and I think Colorado can still save face with that relationship. Um, Bryant, the oh. Cubs are asking for the world for a guy who has gotten worse every season since his MVP season and is now a complete defensive liability at third base. Uh, I know last time I heard something about the Braves, it was like a couple – it was like – one of like the Braves' top three prospects, plus like William Contreras and Max Freed. And if you think I'm giving that up for two years of Chris Bryant, you're you're smoking something different, dog. Mike, you are off something. Yeah. If and then for Lindor, eh, I think I honestly think the Indians are going to resign him. I think the Indians are going to do the right thing. Whether whether that's in past years, they've made other statements about it. They're not going to pay yada yada yada. They don't want to go with luxury tax. <coughs> I think they're going to do the right thing. They already cleared some salary in the Kluber. They've cleared salary different ways. Um, and Bauer. And Bauer. I think that's for Lindor. There's been a bunch of speculation that's for a whole bunch of other things. I think that that will be for Lindor. Yeah, and they. I mean, Clevenger is not going to be. Are about, or, uh, free agent eligible for a couple of years. Still same with Shane Bieber. Uh, Jose Ramirez is on a pretty team-friendly contract. I I really hope they keep Lindor because I enjoy seeing him in Cleveland, and he is by far the face of their franchise, and it would be awesome to see him finish his career there. But I I wouldn't put it past him. I, I, I do think they will re-sign him. I think out of the three... Arenado is probably the most likely to go, in all honesty, because they're not going to contend this year. 
And I'm, given given the tension already between the front office, if they're out of it, he's not going to be happy. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go on the other side and say Bryant. Just I think Theo Epstein's smarter than that, <laughs> than not to pursue trades for Bryant. But I, don't, I honestly don't think any of them get traded. I I don't know that Bryant will get traded because of the fact that, right or wrong, he's worth more to the Cubs than he will be to any other team because of the fanfare. Yeah. It's going to take more to get him than he's worth, and unless they can find a team desperate enough to give them what they want, which I don't think they will because teams are getting smarter and smarter, I, I just – I can't see them and because he's one of those guys that his level of hype and fanfare right now does not match up with his actual on the field production. And other two, like if you're Atlanta and you're trading for Bryant, you don't care what Cubs fans think of him. You're not trading for the fanfare. You're trading for on field production. And the way the Cubs and the Braves value him aren't, I don't think, are going to match up. Yeah, I agree. It's just like. It's like the Tigers uh, at the deadline this past season asking for Glaber Torres for Matthew Boyd. That's never in a million years going to happen. And Boyd's still sitting on Detroit, and he's going to do the same thing that happened with Michael Fulmer. Detroit's going to be asking for the world, and then he's going to fall back down to earth, and they're going to be stuck looking at their empty hands. Yeah, you make a bunch of valid points there. I hear what you're saying. Um, any other big baseball news recently? I can't really... Um, I feel like this is like the biggest thing to happen in baseball. It's, pretty, it's yeah, getting to that point. Not even close. It, this is, I would almost say this is bigger than, uh, biggest thing to happen all offseason, bigger than the Garrett Cole signing. Yeah. Just yeah. because that was kind of expected, more or less. Oh, it was. It, I mean, we knew he was leaving Houston, and we knew the Yankees were going to push hard. It was just a matter of it actually getting confirmed. Um, yeah, I don't think that surprised anybody. If you'd have told me at the beginning of the offseason that the Dodgers would get Mookie Betts and David Price and really the only substantial piece they would have to give up Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo, that would surprise me. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess the the one thing that is is Pete Rose applied for reinstatement. Oh, yeah, I did um, see that. Yeah. I think we'll wait till next pod to discuss because I know Gabe – has different takes on that. Same at least, that. at least he has. At least he has. He, I know for a fact he has a way different take than me. We're on polar opposite ends of that, because um, we've just got we've kind of discussed it before. But it's it's back in the circle. He basically reinstated it because it wasn't. He didn't admit to, or he didn't try to say that what he did wasn't wrong. But he's saying that based on the punishment handed from the Astros, that his punishment is now doesn't doesn't match up. Right. That's that's basically what he said. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll save that for now, next pod. Yeah, I don't. I just to touch one thing on it. He he definitely has a point, but the one thing without giving an opinion on it, he got in trouble as a manager. Correct. He was yes. a manager, Ma- manager and player both. Yeah, but he was a, he was a manager at that yeah. point. I yes. I know he's playing too, but ultimately he was the manager, and. Look at the punishment that AJ Hinch got as the manager. Mm-hmm. So do you? So he does have a little bit of a point, but it's apples to oranges, I think, a little bit. So we'll touch on that next pod. Yep, sounds good. Um, let's roll into some football. All right. 
sad that Gabe's not here because he's been our football man the whole time. But huh. he's at a lack of, lack of communication, and then um, he's at a basketball game at UVA right now. So we're going to go over the Super Bowl. Again, we didn't really pick favorites or not. I don't think any of us really had a favorite. I know Gabe was rooting for the Chiefs because of Andy Reid because he's a lifelong Eagles fan. I personally wanted the 49ers to win just because I wanted Robbie Gold to get his ring, but I was really indifferent about it. Who were you? Who were you pulling for? I was rooting for the Chiefs. I really like Mahomes, and I also wanted to see Andy Reid win one. So I was I was rooting for the Chiefs. There wasn't really can, any, there wasn't really anybody on the 49ers that I felt compelled to root for. You know, I can say this is the first Super Bowl in a long time where I haven't been either rooting for or rooting against some team. Yeah, it's usually because the Patriots are in it. Um, like the Broncos, I was rooting for Manning. Uh, I'm rooting against Tom Brady in one of them, rooting for Tom Brady in another one. I'm rooting for Beast Mode. (laughs) I was rooting against Brady in every every single one. Like it's it's just funny that this is this is probably the first Super Bowl in a long time where I haven't been rooting for or against. Yeah, um, I will say I I was rooting for the Chiefs, but. As far as who actually won, I was pretty indifferent on the outcome. If the 49ers won, I wouldn't have really cared yep. at all. So I, t- I totally agree on that. It kind of the first time in a while, like you said, that I really have felt indifferent on who wins the game. I didn't care. I didn't totally care either way. Yeah, which, which I, from my viewing experience, made it pretty relaxed. Like, I sat here, I thought I watched the first half in my living room, and then, honestly, for the second half, I came in here and played some video games and had it all in, on my second monitor over here. Mm-hmm. And it was it was, a, it was a good game. 31-20 was close all the way up to the end. I, I personally enjoyed the game. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it was riveting by any means, but it was a good game. Yeah, I, I'm, I felt like going in that me not really actively rooting for either team would make it a little more enjoyable to watch, but... Honestly, up until the fourth quarter, it was kind of a eh game. I don't know why it didn't quite feel like the Super Bowl. Now that I will completely I'm, agree with. I, I felt I like I was watching put, a regular season game. Yeah, I can't really put a finger on why, but it didn't totally feel like the Super Bowl. Maybe I, that's it, because it was two teams and two... Uh, team builds that we haven't really seen in the playoffs before. I mean, it was really a far cry from what we've seen for almost the last 10 to 12 years, where basically every year in the Super Bowl, it's either been, I mean, actually from like 2006 or seven, I think, until this year, it's either, except for 2012 with Joe Flacco for the AFC, it's either been Brady Roethlisberger or Manning. And it, it felt weird to not see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, honestly. Yes, it did. A lot. It I mean, I don't know. I I you're completely right. It felt like I was watching a regular season football game. Yeah. I was I was more into Bears week four games that I was streaming off NFL streams off Reddit than I was the Super Bowl, which is weird. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. But talk about the actual game. Patrick Mahomes wasn't I he wasn't the exciting X factor that I was expecting the entire game. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping for some of the Mahomes we've saw 400 yards, 4 TDs, 
and just ripping people to shreds. But instead, 286, 61.6 QBR, 78 rating, two TDs, two interceptions. He was, he was fine. He was he was okay. Yeah. Nothing special. He, he played well. He played really well down the stretch. Yes. That's the one thing Mahomes did. And I believe it, he was like 8 for 11 down the stretch uh, with a TD. Yeah, he's, he played extremely well when he needed to. Damian Williams was my MVP for this game. Yeah, Mahomes, I think Mahomes got it, but Damian Williams, 104 yards, one TD, 6.1 average, four receptions, 29 yards into TD that way too. I thought he should have won it. Yeah, I mean, anytime. If they were up earlier and didn't have to throw late, I would say Williams probably gets it. But I think that uh, last couple drives by Mahomes stuck in everybody's mind, and that's probably why he ended up with it. I I agree. It wasn't – I was expecting more of the flashy Mahomes, but he's playing against the best defense in football. Didn't really have a ton of time to throw all night, and the thing that really impressed me the most about Mahomes is at the beginning he maybe you could say he looked a little bit nervous, whatever, didn't show up. He played one of the worst games, if not the worst game of his career, and still found a way to win the Super Bowl against one of the best defenses of the last maybe five years. Yep. So to to look back at that, that yeah, he threw two picks early and still found a way to get it, go on an absolute tear in the fourth quarter, lead them to two touchdown drives at the end, and win the Super Bowl is really impressive for me. And he did, despite the two turnovers, he did a lot more to win that game than Jimmy Garoppolo did. Yes, he did. A Garoppolo, lot more. I really don't think Garoppolo helped them win. Um, I knew, I knew, I knew going into this game, I wasn't expecting like Garoppolo to be some X factor and some you know stud freak who throws for. 404 TDs at all, but I expected a little more out of him, if I'm being honest. I was expecting more of it, at least like Tannehill level. Yeah, I was expecting like a good a good 250 and a couple TDs and manage the game well, and instead, what did we get? 219 and a 40 QBR, two picks and intercept, or two, yeah, two picks, one TD. He just, he, down the stretch, he wasn't good either. He, Him and Mahomes had complete opposite games. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I actually, I put most of the blame for this on Kyle Shanahan. Yes, I agree. I I don't know what it is with him. If he didn't learn from uh, Super Bowl 50, what, one mm-hmm. with the Falcons and the Patriots is their OC. I don't know if he didn't learn from that or what, but he it felt almost all night like he was just trying to get too cute. The Chiefs run defense is average at best. The Niners have been running the ball down everybody's throats. I mean, Raheem Mostert had 220 yards and four touchdowns in the NFC Championship game, and they hardly ran the ball in the first half. They completely got it. I mean, Debo Samuel was their leading rusher at halftime. They completely got and I think part of the way into the third quarter, but they completely got away from what they had been doing, and when you combine trying to get too cute and not go into your normal run game, with they were still throwing in some odd plays, and at least if you're not going to run the ball like they have been, get Garoppolo in a rhythm. And they didn't do that. They I feel a little bad for Garoppolo because he's taking a lot of flack for that throw he missed towards the end on the last drive. 
Mm-hmm. But it's hard when you're handing the ball off, handing the ball off, handing the ball off, and you don't have any opportunity to get in a rhythm, and all of a sudden it's third and eight, and you got to go get a first down, and you've had no rhythm, no connection with your receivers. I I don't know what Shanahan's doing, but he's blown two double-digit leads in the Super Bowl now. I mean, one obviously a lot bigger than the other, but to blow two double-digit leads in the Super Bowl is pretty impressive. Yep. I just uh, – uh, this game was just very boring, and I think you hit the head right in the – the 49ers played not to lose. Yep, that was that's, especially once they got up 20 to 10. They that's one of my favorite sayings. They were playing to not lose the game, not to win the game. The Chiefs were playing to win the game. The 49ers yep. were playing to not lose the game. They didn't want to give it away. Well, but it's they, like sometimes you got you got to just go take it. They he did that in Atlanta as the offensive coordinator against New England. They, they were up huge, and 99 times out of 100, you don't blow that lead no matter how bad you play. But when it's Tom Brady in the postseason, you cannot sit back and hope that he loses the game for you. You have to go get it. And he didn't do that then, and I really don't think he did it now. Because Mahomes is just as good as Brady, I think, talent-wise. Probably better talent-wise, but... um. I was had some friends over for the game, and one of my friends said uh, when the Niners went up 20 to 10, or maybe it was earlier when uh, they were up 10-3 or something, or whatever, 17-7, something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was either late second quarter or early third quarter. He said it's over, right when the Niners scored that touchdown to get their biggest 17, lead. 17-10. I yeah, 17-10. He said it's over, or after after they had the lead and then Mahomes threw the pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, it's over. And I said, I don't know. There's enough time left. And if there is one team that I would not count out that I think can come back, it's Kansas City. And voila, what do you know? They came back and they're, and to talk about Kansas my goodness, them three double-digit comebacks in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah, Kansas City was just a different breed. Um, they were the favorites coming into this season. We forget that at the beginning of the yeah. season. I, I'm pretty sure it was Mahomes and everyone, and then they added LaShawn McCoy, who ended up being a zero, but still, at, just just at the beginning of the season, everyone was picking them to be the favorites, and it happened to be they they won the Super Bowl for good reason. We all saw why. Yeah. They it, not necessarily the, the path we thought, but no. I think the the thing that annoyed me the most out of the way Kyle Shanahan coached is you kind of saw the beginning of his idea to play not to lose when it was 10 to 10 and there was about a minute and a half left in the first half yep. and he yep. doesn't call a timeout. He lets a bunch of, bunch of time run off the clock and it's like, what, what are you doing? And then next thing you know, they get a they get the first down and they're kind of in, in a rain, in a spot to threaten the TD. And, and since they didn't take that timeout, they kind of screwed themselves. And it's like they were playing because they were afraid of what Mahomes getting the ball back with 30 seconds could really do. Yep. No, it was, you, it was you, like, you got it. You got to just go get it. And the thing that kills me with that one, I'm pretty, they went into half, they went into halftime with a timeout still on the board. Did they not? Yes, they did. They went into timeout with a halftime on the board or into halftime with a timeout on the board. And 
Also, Garoppolo, at the time he got his extension, was he not the highest paid quarterback in football? Like that. Sure. I, I mean, they gave him a massive extension on honestly not a big sample size at all. If you are going to pay him that much money, especially off of the body of work, the small body of work that he had, use him. Yep, I cannot agree more. If you get the ball with two minutes left in the half, that's what the quarterback position is for. That's why you get guys like they thought they had in Garoppolo to lead a two-minute drive in the Super Bowl to put up some points that can make a difference. And for Shanahan to just sit on his hands and essentially waste a possession, that that blows my mind. Couldn't have put it better myself. It and as much as I as much as I want to say that there's not any one thing that I would say could inhibit a team from ever winning, especially a team like the 49ers right now, I don't know if they will win a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan as a head coach because he this is now the second time that he's been in a big game and completely, honestly been the biggest reason why they lost the game because of his coaching decisions. Yeah, man. He, he's eventually just going to have to go balls to the wall. He's eventually yeah. – he has to figure that out. This is the second time now. you think he'd have figured it out by the first time. Yeah, and if, if Garoppolo – if you don't trust him – to try to score, get at least in field goal range with a minute 40 and multiple timeouts. Why is he your quarterback? Yep. Yep. Shoot. I mean, Frank Reich would do that with Jacoby freaking Brissett. I saw it more times with Mitchell Trubisky this season than I saw it with with a lot of yeah. quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. No, I mean. Come on. It, that's, that's... It, that is a basic level of skill at the quarterback position. If you if they can't trust you to do that, why are you there? Yep. But I did see an interesting take um, that – and I'm not totally sold on Jimmy G. I don't know if he's ever going to be a true top ten, top five. Top, I don't think he'll ever be top five. I don't know if he'll ever really be a true top ten guy. But – um, I saw I did see something interesting kind of based on the way his contract is structured. I don't think it would be extremely difficult for them to get out of his contract in the next year or two. No, I don't think so. But I think it's a little premature now. You paid the man. You might as well see what he can do. Yeah, I, I don't think they do anything this offseason. But if he has another season like he did this year, I really think their running game and their defense did a lot more to contribute to their win total this season than he did. He essentially yep. played the role of game manager almost all year. And I did see a stat. Somebody was saying, well, Garoppolo was 7-1 and one when he throws for more than 250 yards. Yeah, so is everybody else in the league. Get in line. Yeah, for real. For Especially real. when you have that defense, I would hope you're 7-1 and one throwing for 250 or more. Yep. I mean, goodness. But I, I don't think they do anything this offseason a change. But if he doesn't show improvement next year and they've got an easy out, I would not be surprised if they have another quarterback in 20, I guess, to start the 21 season. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I just – this Super Bowl, if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a B minus, yep. maybe a C plus. Yeah, it, was, it was a fine game, nothing really interesting. Like, even Mahomes' comeback, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, cool. I feel like we kind of saw it coming. Yeah, exactly. It, and it was just, the Chiefs have done it. The previous two games in the playoffs too. 
Yeah, and it was just, it was just, I don't know. C, yeah, no, B plus, I, B minus, C plus. I, I give it a B minus just because, I mean, it's still anytime you can come back from down double digits in the second half against uh, a great team like the 49ers and that defense, I, I still did think it was pretty exciting. I would give it a B minus. The commercials kind of snoozed me, though. There weren't that many good commercials this year. You know, I did not mind that. This was like the least advertised football game I've watched in a while, and I didn't really mind it because I feel like the Super Bowl last few years, while Brady has been a part of it, the commercials and everything, they're cool and everything, but they just, eh. I mean, I I like this. I like the commercials, but at some point I don't want the entire thing to be about the commercials, and I felt like in the past years the Super Bowl was just about the commercials more than it was about football. Well, I think part of that is because a lot of times the commercials are really good. They yeah. either make me laugh my pants off or they make me – I they've had some really good commercials. I mean like the um, one – I think it was last year with uh, Anthony Lynn, the Chargers head coach, and they brought out the first responders that helped save his life and introduced them and everything. It was a Verizon commercial. Commercials yeah. like that are awesome. And then – I mean, there were, and it's still going to be commercialized. There were plenty of commercials. They just weren't that good. There yeah, were only a couple that really stuck with me that I watched it, and I was like, wow, that was a pretty good commercial. I thought the Cheetos one with the can't touch this was good. The Peanuts one with the baby nut was pretty good, too. That was weird, too. man. That, that was, was kind of weird. weird, but did you I, see I, the original think... one where he had died? Yes. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I thought it was funny to bring it full circle, especially with having the Kool-Aid man cry right. in the yeah. grave. And then the Baby Nut and the whole thing with, like, Baby Yoda right now. I thought that one was pretty good. The Doritos one with Lil Nas and Sam, I cannot remember his last name, the Western guy. Um, I, I, thought that, I thought that one was pretty good. The Google one was really good. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, none of the commercials really stuck out. I can really tell because when I get on Twitter and no one's. I don't. Really I don't I, yeah, I don't see any yeah. like clips of them or anything like that. I was like, yeah, they must have been pretty dead. Um, I will say though, the best part of the Super Bowl, Shakira <laughs> and J Lo. Oh my God, it's like I've. It's like I hit puberty again. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. It's like I, if you, Lord have mercy not to get candid, but Shakira is so attractive. It was my we were watching it and my roommate was uh, in the room with us and we were three or four minutes into the halftime show and he no one's really talking we're just watching it and mm-hmm. he just turns to all he was kind of sitting in front of everybody and he just turns behind to the rest of the room and goes you know. I'm not going to lie. I'm really turned on right now. <laughs> <laughs> we all just lost it. <laughs> uh, I, I have watched the gif of them two shaking their butts more times than I'd like to admit in the past, <laughs> the past <laughs> few days. Um, I think uh, it was a good halftime show, regardless. Yeah, and, no, and, was, and, and this this is two you know twenty one year old guys talking about this, so it's, it's subjective to opinion. Take that with a grain of salt. But. Right. I mean, you talk to the Facebook moms who thought it was child, you know, it was inappropriate for children. But then again, Adam Levine, I'm pretty sure was shirtless for most of last yeah. year's halftime yeah. show. So it's it's all a matter of opinion. 
I think it's really funny that everybody was making a big fuss about uh, them being up on stage like that. And then, but last year, Adam Levine did almost the entire show pretty much half naked. He didn't have just, a shirt. Just he just didn't have almost the pole naked. with him. Yeah, yeah, he just didn't have the pole. But yeah, she didn't really do a ton on the pole other than just kind of sit up there though no no it's kind of been like like, use it like you would think they would but i just think it's funny that everybody was making a bit all the facebook models were making a huge fuss about it Mm -hmm. this year when last year they were probably all drooling over adam levine having a shirt off i'm sure a couple divorces came from adam levine's for me i'm sure there's been a couple divorces that have come from adam levine's halftime show last year from facebook moms don't don't (laughs) i mean come on but i i mean for being 50 and 43, them two aged gracefully, and it was they, – they did not mind showing it off. It's nice when you have uh, – well, I should say it's easy when you have enough money to pay for pretty much anything you need to uh-huh. enhance your looks, whether um, – when you can afford round-the-clock beauty care, basically. Yeah, I would help you look like that. Per- personal chefs, personal workouts, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I will. I will say that if I had I guess, to pay for a personal trainer and a personal chef and somebody to massage me and spray tan me and whatever, yeah, I'd probably look like that too. Yeah, I mean, off talking about their butts, the the meaning behind it too, you know, two Latino or Latina singers. And they, there was more than just ass shaking during the thing. They they made a point, you know. They brought out the Puerto Rican flag. Yeah. Both of them tweeted, you know, so what two Latina women can do. I th- I thought it was really inspiring. I guess if any younger females were watching it. Yeah. Um, there was there was a deeper meaning than them just being overtly sexual and overtly attractive at an older age. Yeah, and, no, overall, a good halftime show. I thought I yeah, enjoyed the halftime show more than I enjoyed the actual game. <laughs> I think most of us did. But yeah, to have uh, Demi Lovato, who everything that she's gone through with the overdose and for her to come back from that and sing the national anthem. And then to have two minority women do the halftime performance and be on the spotlight. I, I think that was a step in the right direction or a good, good spotlight. And yeah, they I, I, I did see one tweet that just cracked me up. Somebody said, why is J-Lo holding the Texas flag? I saw that exact same thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, A-Rod was going crazy down there. I'm sure he was having the time of his life. But, you know. Talk about A-Rod, man. He has gone from one of the most hated players in baseball to – I honestly, at this point, it's kind of hard to hate him. I was about to exactly say the same thing. His reputation yeah, has gone from absolute on. garbage to, like, pretty good. Like, I don't mind yeah. listening to A-Rod on ESPN. I don't yeah. mind seeing A-Rod. No, I mean, he's he's probably one of the most supportive fiancés I've seen. He's always hyping. I follow him on Instagram. Oh, he's always... You- He's all, I, I, mean, I mean, it ain't hard. I think I'd be pretty people, hyped too. A lot of people are married to women that are like J Lo, and they don't. I mean, you don't see Jay Z hyping up Beyonce like that all the time. Probably because but, Beyonce beat him. Yeah, Beyonce's <laughs> but, better than Jay Z. I, I don't know. To see him that supportive and not 
afraid because I think a lot of people, especially in A-Rod's position, would maybe be a little bit apprehensive to show that side of them because it's maybe not the manliest thing. But I don't know. To see him that supportive and he's very supportive of his daughters and very involved with them. And I've said this before, as a Yankees fan, I really didn't like A-Rod a ton when he was with the team. I He was there. He was a good player. So I liked having him on the team, but I didn't really like him. And I've gone now to – I actually really enjoy listening to him on ESPN. He's a, actually a really good analyst. He knows what he's talking about. And on social media, it's just, it's really hard to hate him now. He's really turned his reputation around. Yep, I actually 100% agree with that statement. Um, but I guess just to wrap everything up, Pete Rose next week. Hopefully, when Gabe's back on the, when Gabe's back on the pod, um, yeah. we should all have our different hot takes on that. Super Bowl Sunday last week, fun game, fun halftime performance. Overall, not a bad Super Bowl. Mookie Betts to the Dodgers, Dodgers Yankees World Series is probably the favorite coming off of this. Oh, yeah. um, Red Sox got enough, good trade all around. Angels got a got a couple pieces. Everyone's getting a little bit of love. Yep. But I think I think it about wraps up this week of baseball and football. But to preview, yep. it is February, so next month, March Madness, we will be covering March Madness to the best of oh, our yeah. abilities. Because God knows what's going on in college basketball right now. I'm sorry, because God knows. I, I, I have so, no idea. I'm actually really excited for the tournament because there so is am I. no clear favorite. Yep, that's I really exactly what I was about to say. Anybody can beat anybody this year. I could not agree more. Like I know, say, I know we say that every year, but I mean, truly, that you, like any of the one seeds could fall in the second round to an eight or nine. It like it. I mean, if you can think up any upset, there's probably a decent chance of it happening. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Even a team like that has completely hit the fan right now. They beat a top five team in Michigan State on a neutral floor in my er, in Maui at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, it should be a really interesting tournament. I'm honestly extremely excited for it. Um, and Carolina isn't going to be there. No, probably not. Can you imagine? I, Tech, we played them two weeks ago, and it was crazy. We were all talking about before the game, we were like, we got to win this game. Like, if we lose this game to Carolina, that's bad. Like, we suck. Could you ever imagine – as a Tech fan, I could never imagine saying that about Carolina. And honestly, about any team. I could never imagine saying that about Carolina. Like, if we don't win this game, that's bad. Right. Yep. I know they've had injuries, but they have completely gone off the rails this season. Yeah, it's been weird. But I wouldn't be surprised if UNC sneaks in a 14 bid and makes a run in the tournament. Maybe. I do think that if they get healthy by tournament time and look better – They'll get some sympathy from the committee because they've had injuries and they're better than their record may indicate. But yep, they're even with that, they're still a far cry from the Carolina team of the last few years. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. But I think that's going to wrap us up here for Fair It's Gone, episode 20. We will catch you guys back next week.
Bust your eardrum like a slug to your chest Like a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass hemp be The state where you never find a dance floor empty And pimps be on a mission for them greens Lean mean money making machines serving fiends I've been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes Ever since honeys was wearing sassoon Now it's 95 and they clock me and watch me diamond shining Looking like a Rob Liberace It's all good from Diego to the Bay Your city is the bomb if your city making pay Throw up a finger if you feel the same way Straight putting it down for California, yeah 